welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. And we'll go loose on the phone calls today because I know I've been gone and a lot of you have questions and there's a lot of news about the election. And I've got to start there. And I, I need to do one It is a small act of self-promotion, but I promise you it is worth it. If you text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, you're going to get a series of links back. I'm going to text you right back. I use an automated system. I promise I'm not here talking and texting all of you at the same time. But the very first link says subscribe to my email. You don't even have to subscribe. I want you to click through and see the very top story. The top story right now is called the show notes, the switch is flipped. And it's for paid subscribers, but we put the bulk of the content uh, in front of the paywall so all of you can read it. And I want you to read it, mark it, inwardly digest it, share it with your friends. And I want to spend some time here talking about it because it is truly important. Text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Click the first link. Just read. You don't even have to subscribe. Just click through and read. I have been involved in politics since the mid-90s when I was in college. I started the College Republicans at Mercer University, my alma mater in Macon, Georgia. I started the Georgia Association of College Republicans. I was its first president. I was involved in Republican politics during the Republican wave where the Republicans took back Congress for the first time in 40 years was working for a guy running for Congress. His name was Saxby Chambliss. He was a volunteer. I kind of did grassroots stuff. I fixed their computers. On election night, I had the computer that I brought, and I could be there. I knew how to get on the Internet uh, through dial-up, no less, and pull in all the information as it came in from various outlets around the series of tubes known as the Internet that was nascent at the time. And I remember when Bill Bennett called. I loved Bill Bennett. Don't meet your heroes, kids. But in any event, Bill Bennett called. And I answered the phone. I was starstruck. And it was a Republican wave. And I've lived through and was on TV commenting in my time at Red State. In 2006, when it was an obvious Democratic wave, I was writing at Red State at the time, and I told everyone what was coming. And all of my Republican readers at the time and people who watched on TV were furious with me, furious that I was talking down Republican chances of winning. And my reply to all of them was, I'm not talking down your chances. I'm telling you what's going to happen It's not prophetic, it's just knowing what's going to happen. It's knowing the rhythms, the movements, the feelings, the information, the flow. I saw it coming, I wrote about it, I got criticized by my own side for talking down the electorate, a bunch of emotional know-nothings who are convinced that me, single-handedly, could cost the Republicans elections. No, I knew what was coming, I knew the patterns. I was there in 2008 when I knew John McCain was going to lose. And I was there in 2010, by then on television. And I knew no matter what the Democrats said, 
It was going to be a bloodbath for the Democrats. And I knew in 2012 Romney was going to lose. And I knew in 2014 the Republicans were going to win. I did not see 2016 coming. It is really the only one I never saw coming. But in midterms, take out the emotions of presidential politics, take out the electoral college anomalies. Midterms are kind of easy to figure out. The party in the White House typically takes a drubbing. The party out of power does not. This entire year has been about the Democrats trying to find a narrative to sell to the media to convince the media that what was going to happen would not happen. And the media fell for it because the media doesn't want it to happen either because there actually is a bias towards the Democrats and the media. And I know that Democrats abhor saying this. I know Democrats scream about the media as well, but there actually is a bias in the media. It is far easier for someone on the left to get the media to tell a story, buy a story, sell a story, package a story, tell a narrative that it is for Republicans. And in every Republican wave, the same thing happens. In fact, in every wave, the same thing happens. The media fixates, fixates on the Democratic narrative, fixates on it. And all we have heard since the Dobbs decision is that it was going to reverse the tide. This would be a historic anomaly. The Republicans would not do well. And the only thing that separates Democratic waves from Republican waves is that three to four weeks before the election, as the final rounds of polling are starting to come in, suddenly the media realizes what's happening and the media rushes to start covering all of the stories Republicans have been talking about the entire freaking year. Acting as if they knew it all along, not that they were trying to help the Democrats. And it's important they do this three to four weeks before the election because they want you by the time you get to the election to think they've been with you the whole time, that they've just been playing it straight the whole time. No, the hell they have not. They've been biased the entire time against the Republicans. They have worked very hard to try to build up the Democratic narrative. They've run cover for the Democratic candidates. The New York Times says that Herschel Walker's health matters greatly and John Fetterman's health doesn't matter at all. They focused on abortion, 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 abortion until Republicans reversed it on them and started asking the tough questions. When's the exception? When's the cutoff date? And the Democratic ghoulish answer was, well, not until the baby leaves the hospital, if even then. And the media finally has made the pivot. In the last 24 hours, the switch has flipped. It's important for you to understand why the switch has flipped. This is the pattern of wave elections. We now have 11 polls that have been conducted in the last week. Fox News, New York Times, Rasmussen, Trafalgar, Harvard, CBS, CNBC, Monmouth, Politico, Economist, and Emerson College. One of them has the Democrats up one. It's a registered voter online poll of 2005 registered voters. What's notable is just three weeks ago, it had the Democrats up five. And now it has the Democrats up one. Every other poll has the Republicans in the lead. The Republicans went 
from being behind just two weeks ago in the generic ballot to now being up 3.4%, which is higher than in 2014 when they took back the Senate. Emerson College has the Republicans up five. Monmouth University has the Republicans up six. CNBC has the Republicans up two. Harvard has the Republicans up six. Trafalgar has the Republicans up five. Rasmussen has the Republicans up seven. New York Times has the Republicans up four. Fox has the Republicans up one. Economist has the Republicans up one. CBS has the Republicans up two. The wave is on the horizon. This morning on MSNBC's Morning Joe, as a Democratic analyst started lambasting Republicans for talking about crime when crime wasn't a real issue, Joe Scarborough interrupted him and started railing against woke DAs and progressive Democrats refusing to acknowledge crime as a problem. NBC News did focus groups with voters Black voters in Philadelphia say crime is worse than you think and has spilled over into the suburbs. It's become an election issue, and they're not sure they can continue voting the same ways because they don't feel safe in their car. Even going home from the focus group, they were afraid they could get carjacked or shot. White Philadelphia voters say crime is an issue. And John Fetterman's health is an issue. His inability to take questions or speak is an issue. The media has been covering for him for the last two months, and suddenly they're allowing voters to come on TV and say there's something wrong with the guy. In Arizona, CBS News has on panels of voters who are saying crime is a huge issue. The economy is a huge issue. How can we vote for Mark Kelly? Two weeks ago, Republicans in Georgia, I couldn't find a single one who thought Herschel Walker could win, at least without a runoff. I can't find a single Republican in Georgia who now believes Herschel Walker will lose, and more and more of them think he's going to win without a runoff. In Pennsylvania, Republicans are growing confident that voters there will split. They will vote for Josh Shapiro, the Democrat, and then say, well, now I can vote for Dr. Oz for the Senate. In Ohio, J.D. Vance is surging. Ron Johnson has locked in his lead in Wisconsin. Democrats are beginning to pull their money out of Wisconsin to give it to Fetterman to save him there. In Arizona, Republicans have redirected money to go to Blake Masters, to pour in money to Blake Masters. Masters is surging in the polls. He's brought Mark Kelly's lead down to within two points now. It's within the margin of error. In Pennsylvania, it's within the margin of error. In Nevada, it's within the margin of error, but Adam Laxalt has gone into the lead. Joe Lombardo, the Republican governor there, has gone into the lead. And what's notable, what's notable, what's notable is what the Democrats are doing now. It is the sign of a wave upon them. It is a sign that doom is coming it is a sign of a sign of despair for the Democrats. They're having to reallocate their resources. Ad Impact, which tracks political spending on TV and radio advertising, says the House Majority Pack, run by Nancy Pelosi, was trying to save a Biden plus nine Oregon seat. 
and now they've had to yank the money from that nine Biden plus nine seat to try to save a Biden plus 13 seat in the Portland, Oregon suburbs. A bastion of progressivism that continually rejects Republicans is on the verge of electing a Republican governor in, Ohio, in Oregon for the first time since the 1980s. Democrats are pulling money out of a Biden plus nine seat in Oregon, not because they think they've got it in the bag, but because they think it's lost. And now they got to try to save a Biden plus 13 seat in Oregon, a liberal bastion, a suburb of Portland that overwhelmingly went to Joe Biden by nine points. They think they've lost it. And in the average of seats the Democrats are now spending money on, they've pulled their money from every seat that Joe Biden won with less than 7.3% of the vote. In other words, the Democrats are abandoning seats where Joe Biden beat Donald Trump by five points. Democrats now believe many of them are toast. They've pulled all of their money out, and now they're focusing on Biden's seven plus three percent seats and higher. These are the signs of waves. The Republicans do it too. In 2018, Republicans started pulling all of their money out of seats presumed to be safe, to save seats desperate to mitigate what was coming. And some of those Republican seats they thought were safe, the Republicans lost. And almost every single one of the seats the Republicans redirected their money to, the Republicans lost. The same thing happened in 2006. The Democratic wave came on strong. Republicans knew it. They were playing defense. And in the last three weeks, they were taking money out of race A and putting it in race B, knowing race A is toast. Let's try to save race B. And they couldn't save the other race either. I've been around the block on, on waves. I've been around the block on midterms. I've been doing this since the 90s. I know the pattern. I know the practice. I know the rhythms and the drumbeat and the hum of the media. When the media three weeks before a Republican wave election begins suddenly talking about crime and the economy after spending the last two months talking about Biden rallying Democrats and, and abortion politics and suddenly they've shifted dramatically. Wow. I've lived that in 2010. I've lived that in 2002, a surprise year of Republican strength. I've lived that in 2014. And we've, we've even lived that in, in 2020. I remember two months before the election, just two years ago, telling you guys it looked really bad for the GOP. Even the GOP internals were bad. Members of Congress who were Republicans were telling me they expected to lose in about three weeks before. As the generic ballot shifted remarkably towards the Republicans, I started telling you, you know what? Things may not be as bad as we thought. And sure enough, Republicans won every single swing seat. Three weeks this year before the election, the Republicans look like the wave is coming. In 2020, it looked like a Democratic wave, and three weeks before, suddenly we saw a counter wave from the Republicans. It was beginning to show up in polls. Pollsters had missed this year, we're not seeing a counterway from the Democrats. What we're seeing is suburban Democratic voters so pissed off at their 401k and crime in their streets, they are voting Republican. We're less than three weeks from the midterm elections. Here's what you're going to start hearing. Democrats are about to begin full-throated attacks on Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. They know 2022 is lost. 
They're now trying to set the stage for the next two years of agenda. They're trying to set the stage to combat Republicans, not in the ballot box, but in the halls of Congress. Doom has come for the Democrats. They thought being the party of Moloch and turning it into a campaign on killing kids could save them in November. And instead, the voters are tired of their kids getting killed in the streets and carjacked and robbed economically and otherwise. And hell is coming for Joe Biden and his party. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington that's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. So who wants to come hang out with me the two weeks before the midterms? And get a deep dive into what's going on with inside knowledge from folks with the Kemp campaign, a future member of Congress, me and some other guests will be there hanging out at Governor's Gun Club in Kennesaw, Georgia. Anyone on any station listening to me right now is more than welcome to get there. It's the world's largest indoor skeet shooting facility. There will be bourbon. You can check out the gun range. If you're drinking, you can't shoot. The lawyers will be upset, so you'll get a voucher to come back. But you can hang out with me, get a ticket. Uh, and come spend a few hours with me at Governor's Gun Club in Kennesaw, Kennesaw, Georgia. It's October 28th. We'll be a deep dive into the campaign. You can ask me anything. You can ask about radio, cooking, whatever. I'll be there with you to uh, keep you company. You don't have to drink. You don't have to shoot. Just come. You need a ticket, though. VIP tickets, you get to show up early, check everything out, sample Suburbans, hang out early. Uh, general admission tickets, come for the event and... Uh, Q&A and listen to the guests, ask questions. It'll be a lot of fun. What you need to do is text the word bourbon to 33777. Text the word bourbon, B-O-U-R-B-O-N, to 33777. Uh, you can also go to the Governor's Gun Club website. Uh, if you're having trouble, just go uh, look for the Governor's Gun Club website. You can get tickets there and show up October 28th. It'll be a lot of fun. I'll have more information for you. Uh, some of the stuff I'm, I'm being like those, those New York Times reporters who they write books and reveal things in books they don't say in the newspaper. I'm, I'm trying to save some stuff to give you an incentive to come. But I do have a lot more to talk about. And I want to play you some of the audio because the audio to me is very striking and suggests, I mean, even in New York now, they've declared the governor's race a toss-up. That's right. The governor's race in New York is now a toss-up. But when we come back, I want to play for you some of the audio I was talking about at the beginning of this program. It's important you don't just hear me talk about it. Listen to the voters in their own words. Listen to the voters as they are talking. Listen to the voters and their anxiety. The Democrats for the last several months thought they could make this an election about abortion. 
And all it did was make voters mad that the Democrats weren't talking about the issues the voters cared about. And now there's going to be hell to pay. I got the audio. Joe Scarborough going after Democrats when we come back. So winter is coming. And I got to tell you, I love the weight of the bull and branch sheets. I like them in the summer when it's hot and you don't want a lot of covers on you. But in the wintertime, they're just the perfect weight, the perfect, I don't know, smoothness. They're 100% organic cotton threads. They've got super softness. They get softer every time you wash them. They're just the drape when you're laying down and stuff. They're not. They're just perfect sheets. I love them. Uh, I am effusive with my praise for Bull and Branch, and I'm delighted to have them as an advertiser. Look, they're made from the highest quality threads. They got superior softness. They got over twenty five thousand rave customer reviews and counting. I'm one of them. The quality you can tell is great. They hold up well after all the washes I've put them through. And they just get softer. It doesn't matter what the thread count is. The fiber sucks. And you can tell they put a lot of great detail into the fibers they use. And look, Bola Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're going to feel the difference. You're not going to want to send them back. The first 100% organic fair trade certified bedding company ever. They used 90% less water than conventional production, zero pesticides, other chemical, toxic chemicals. They don't use them. It's just fantastic. Listen, I'm effusive with my praise. I love Bull and Branch. Try them for yourself. And again, you get a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. Try the sheets that will make you fall for the coziest night sleep in the season where you want cozy sheets. 15% off your first set of sheets. Free shipping when you use promo code Eric, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is Eric. Trust me, they're worth it. We've got five bedrooms, five beds, Bolin Branch sheets on every bed. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. I got some audio I want to play for you. It, it gets kind of to my point. Uh, they would not have done this just a week ago, two weeks ago. They wouldn't have done it. The media, the, the members of the press, who for months have been telling us the Democrats had neutralized a, what appeared to be a massive Republican wave. And now suddenly... Well, reality is dawning. This is Joe Scarborough on MSNBC this morning. When you have woke DAs in Philadelphia basically saying they don't have a crime problem, uh, when you have cops quitting left and right in Philadelphia because they don't feel like, you know, they're, they're not going to risk their lives so they can arrest people who are going to be out on the street the next day. And then you have progressives telling People in Philadelphia telling these people, oh, you're wrong. Don't believe your lying eyes. Don't believe the fact there's something wrong for you for being afraid to go to work. There's something wrong with you for being afraid to go home, as they were talking about right there. It is just really progressives on crime in places like Philadelphia and New York are so extraordinarily clueless. It's mad. And yet you see, I can't, you see it in these focus groups, Salih. Yep, you can. In fact, this is from one of those focus group with black voters in Philadelphia who are really upset about crime. Who thinks that crime potentially impacting you or your family is the greatest fear you face right now? Yes, absolutely. Crime is at an all-time high at this point. Crime is crazy. Yes, crime and... 
it's it's beyond and, and telemarketers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's you, the have you seen a rise specifically in your neighborhoods? It's rise everywhere, everywhere yeah. all throughout the city. The carjacking is crazy. The robberies, it just it just doesn't make any sense. It seems to be like it's, more than ever. It's and it's weird. not just the city is even into the suburbs so it's it's um but it's obviously is more heavily concentrated in in the urban areas um but absolutely um we don't even know going home today how yeah how we're going to feel you know whether you're driving or on public transportation what's going to happen i feel like a lot of times like i'm in a video game get charlie home yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean or get charlie to work it's a sense of the respect is going. I don't know where it went, yeah. but it's going. And that's one of the main things we're dealing with out here now. It's a lack of respect for life, yes. for people. Mm -hmm. um, never seen it before. Yep. Now, what's so funny is that in between all of this stuff, we had an MSNBC Democratic legal analyst. Well, the first thing that I think we have to do is we have to stop sensationalizing America's crime problem because that leads to inaccurate narratives that then also gives rise to improper solutions that focus on symptoms rather than systems. And so what do I mean by that? We have to understand and look at what it is that we know. We know that roughly 80% of the crime that occurs in this country is nonviolent, low-level misdemeanor, and or traffic violations. So that leaves about 20% of violent crime, which admittedly is still on the rise, but does not at all compare to the overall majority of- <laughs> it, Violent crime, admittedly, it's on the rise, but Republicans have got to stop, stop um, sensationalizing it. Y'all, seriously, these were- Black Democratic voters in Philadelphia, not Republicans. One more, one more here. This as well, MSNBC. In 2016, um, I realized that there needed to be a change. And um, so at that point, I decided that I was going to um, become a Republican. Burwood Yost has studied Pennsylvania voter trends for years. It's really going to be an interesting push-pull between these concerns that voters have about the economy and, the, and inflation and then concerns about abortion rights. In Bucks County, Pennsylvania, women we spoke to named three key issues swaying their decision. The economy, crime, and abortion rights. I'm voting based on um, our economy and um, based on the crime. Sharon Jackson said the country is moving in the wrong direction. I go to the grocery store and I'm like, oh my goodness, this cost me $250. Oz has more to offer to me. And to, I think that he has a lot more to offer to our, our state. Really? Wow. And over to you in Arizona on CBS News. Joe Biden's the worst president ever, man. Why? Uh, first of all, look at gas, the economy, the border. We got fentanyl. He doesn't care about it. He doesn't care about Americans. Trump could run again. All he has to do is say, are, are you better off now than you were four years ago when I was in office? And the answer would be a resounding no. Hello, Phoenix. Former President Trump endorsed Republican Blake Masters to unseat Arizona Senator Mark Kelly, a Democrat. Mark Kelly does nothing for the state. You know, the media doesn't go out and just find people who specifically 
want to hear one thing. I, they will do that. Don't get me wrong. In some stories, they do that. But in these stories of voters, they go out and they put a microphone in the face. They go to a diner. They're told where to go generally. They have a sense of where do Arizona voters go. And they show up at these diners. They invite independent voters and they shove microphones in their faces. Why are you voting? They don't care what the answer is. They just want the answer of independent voters. How are you voting? There are times they solicit specific opinions, and there's a lot of stuff that is on the editing room floor. But like letters to the editor in a newspaper, when you get a 1,000 letters on a topic, one of them gets printed, and it represents all the thousands. When you have independent voters in Arizona who are saying they can't vote for Mark Kelly because of crime and the border and fentanyl and, and the economy, and Joe Biden is the worst president ever, that's a sign something is happening out there. That's a sign even in Arizona. Kerry Lake is going to be governor. I was on I was on CNN on Aaron Burnett last night with Bakari Sellers. Bakari Sellers had been in the South Carolina legislature. He's a Democrat. And he was dripping with disdain for Kerry Lake and Blake Masters that uh, even questioned their loyalty to the United States, that they're clowns, they're not serious candidates, no one can vote for them. They denied the election, dripping with disdain for them. That's exactly why the Democrats are losing this year. Democrats got it in their head that everyone cared as passionately as they did about January 6th. Democrats got it in their head that everyone passionately cared about the threat to democracy. Jonah Goldberg wrote liberal fascism years ago and noted in liberal fascism that progressives tend not to have a sense of history. Everything can be new again with progressives. They don't have to worry about history. They write history. Now, I'm paraphrasing Jonah to a degree, but he had a point there, and it's a point you've got to understand. The Democrats tend to forget what's going on. The Democrats tend to forget historic patterns. And what we tend to find very often with progressives is that by having no sense of history, they tend to be doomed to repeat history. In other words, if you looked historically at the French Revolution, at the rise of Hitler, at the crisis of the third century in the Roman Empire, at the early American turmoil before the Civil War. Inflation. Inflation had one of the most destabilizing effects in world history. Inflation is damaging to democracy. The Democrats have been trying to push people to battery-powered cars. They've made it hyper-expensive to get oil out of the ground. By causing energy prices to go up, they've caused food prices and travel costs to go up. They've caused inflation to go up. Democrats 
not Donald Trump. Democrats have caused the very crisis of democracy. They claim they're so obsessed about stopping. And yet the solutions they have make the problem worse. Whether you're talking about the crisis of the third century with the Roman Empire or the French Revolution, the rise of Hitler, or tons and tons of other destabilized issues, the, the fall of the czars in Russia, inflation, inflation, inflation is a common tie. And the Democrats have caused inflation while they're, they're wringing their hands about the threat to democracy. They've caused the threat to democracy by causing inflation, by driving up the price of a barrel of oil, by denying American energy independence. They've now seen the cost of gas rise, the cost of groceries rise, the cost of everything rise. They caused inflation. They are the ones who caused the threat to democracy. They are the threat to democracy in that case, not the Republicans, and none of them can accept it. None of them can believe it. They drip with disdain for Republicans. They think, my gosh, I can't believe we're losing to these people. How dare the voters vote for the threats to democracy? The voters are actually voting against the threat to democracy. The voters have the sense of history the Democrats like. Time and time again throughout world history, you see massive rises in inflation. You see economic and political instability. It's the Democrats who caused it, not Donald Trump. This is basic history. The Democrats have been so fixated on Trump. They allowed everything else that really matters to break. And now they are mad at the voters that the voters do not care about January 6th and the election as much as they do. I'm on CNN with this guy, Bakari Sellers. Nice guy. Don't agree with him on much. Nice guy. But he's just railing against Kerry Lake and Blake Masters in Arizona, both of whom now might win because he's focused on January 6th in the election and they are focused on crime and the border and the economy. They are focused where the voters are. Democrats are focused where their bubble is. In Georgia, Herschel Walker more likely than not, can now win without a runoff. Early voting numbers look good so far for the GOP in Georgia. Even with a Democratic advantage, the Republicans are above average strength in early voting right now. If that holds up, Herschel Walker could win without a runoff. The odds of him losing outright have gone down to probably less than 10%. Might get a runoff, but probably not going to lose outright. In Arizona, Blake Masters can win. In Pennsylvania, every poll has trended rapidly towards Dr. Oz. He's now tied in the race with the AARP poll that had uh, Fetterman ahead by almost double digits just a couple of months ago. In Wisconsin, Ron Johnson's going to win. In Nevada, Adam Laxalt's going to win. Rick Scott, the chairman of the Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee, says we could be seeing a 55 seat Republican majority. I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think 52 or 53 seats is now a possibility. Nate Silver, a 538 fame, this morning has a column where he says, it's more likely the Republicans take everything than split it. This is the environment in which we're in. And there's a problem for all of us we're going to have to deal with. 
The Democrats have told their voters and their voters believe Republicans are a serious threat to our republic. What happens when those Republicans take power? When the Democrats have said, stop at nothing to stop the Republicans, what will they not stop at to stop the Republicans? We're going to have to grapple with that pretty soon because the Republicans are set to win and win big. One of the companies that's helping Republicans win big is Patriot Mobile. They take a portion of their profits and they give it to the conservative movement. You can give your money to Patriot Mobile. Take your business to them. They are a Christian conservative cell phone company. They're definitely not woke. And they use the same towers everyone else uses, so you get guaranteed great service. And if you use my name, you get free activation. You can take your existing phone number to them. You can get a new phone number from them. You can do a lot with Patriot Mobile. They've got data. They've got voice. They've got 5G. Go check them out, patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. They give a portion of their profits to the Second Amendment, the pro-life cause, the conservative movement. They find conservative candidates running for school boards and beat the wokes. They're good people, but they need your business to grow their profits, to grow their ability to fund the cause. You can do it by just taking your cell phone service over there, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can also call them, 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. Tell them I sent you. Get free activation with them, 972-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Remember, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Click on that first link. Uh, Even if you don't subscribe, just read the show notes. We've made the big portion of it available to everybody today because you got to understand what's coming. The switch has flipped. It always does in a wave year. It has happened. It has happened. Now, I want to spend a moment on a personal note. Today is my wife's six-year anniversary taking her chemo pill. Many of you have prayed a great deal for her over time. And I just wanted to reiterate my thanks. This pill works for two years. For her, it has kept working for six Her next scans are on election day. Now, I will probably wind up pre-recording the first hour of my show on election day. And the great thing is on election day, any of you who've run campaigns know, election day is actually the most boring day of the year uh, in news. Uh, That night, it turns into the Super Bowl. But election day is actually the most boring day because... Well, there's literally no news. Every news reporter out there is focused on the election. They're not focused on anything. A bomb could go off in Times Square and it would get forgotten because all the reporters are out looking at what's going on with the election. I mean, there's just, there's nothing exciting that happens on election day. Uh, And I'll be on the phone all morning talking to people, trying to get a sense of turnout and be able to give that to you. uh, And then step in with her to the doctor, be back at the show uh, before the first hour is over. But she'll go for her scans on election day. Every three months we do this. It's very much the sword of Damocles hanging over us. We fear one day the sword will drop. But for six years now, she's taken this pill. It's just remarkable to me, particularly knowing that it was designed to only work for two years and it's still working for her. And so many of you have prayed for her for and sent words of encouragement, notes of encouragement. A listener in Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago sent us a a note to our house, or I should say a monastery sent us a note to our house 
that a listener of mine in Wisconsin had lit candles and had the monks pray for my wife. I was deeply touched by it. And so thank you all. Uh, Thank you very much. She woke up this morning, the kids and I pulled our money. We bought her a diamond necklace uh, as as an anniversary present. Um, So anyway, when we come back, I, I don't want to go through just the play-by-play minutia because I think that kind of gets boring and there's only so much you could say. But I do want to talk about, uh, in all seriousness, some of the statements made on the left, some of the statement and claims made, I'm a little bit concerned that we may not be, Democrats in particular, may not be doing enough to make sure James Hodgkinson is an anomaly. We need to make sure he is an anomaly. We need to make sure uh, that that does not become the norm. And I'm afraid the Democrats, just as they are with inflation, they're letting stuff like that slide and it's going to become a real problem for all of us.